Um, so we're in Revelation 4. Um, and, and I will just say briefly, even though I said I won't bore you, um, in general, um, the, the, the most popular view of end times events, which is a big word called eschatology, um, and, and most of us in this room probably would ascribe to being what we call, it's on the other side of that sheet, a futurist. We believe that revelation is still to come. It's not fully happened yet. We see, we see a couple of practice runs in history, and in our current history, we see even more of them. Um, but but uh, the bulk of Revelation is still in the future uh, to be fulfilled. The first, and I say the bulk because the first three chapters did happen um, in John's, uh, John's experience. Um, the first chapter is an introduction, and the next two chapters are seven letters to seven churches, seven messages to seven churches uh, that they needed in that day. Um, and so we go into chapter 4, and I gave you these questions to answer last week. Did anybody take them home? Anybody do any research on their own chapter 4 in Revelation? Hey, amen. God bless you. You get an A. I wish I had a, an apple or something to give you, but I don't. So, uh, do you want a peppermint? <laughs> okay. All right, I got one of those. Uh, we used to have a Sunday school teacher where we taught, and he, he would buy um, Happy Meals for his kids and then take the toys and then he was a teacher, and uh, he'd be teaching Sunday school and ask a question. If I got it right, he'd throw him a McDonald's toy from the Happy Meal. But anyway, <coughs> um, we'll look at verse 1 of chapter 4, and somebody tell me what jumps out at you first in that verse. I gave you the hint of the answer I'm looking for in the question, by the way. Yes, thank you. The word, the word after. Very good. Now we've got two winners. Um, I'm about to go stock up on McDonald's toys. Um, yeah, uh, notice it says, wow. I think a who was supposed to be under that first question. But anyway, uh, after this, I looked. Now, um, th this is uh, a famous Greek phrase, and by famous I mean the way it is written, it has a, a, a great meaning to it. It's a simple meaning, but it, 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 it gives you this, we're going on to the next thing since. The words are meta, M-E-T-A, and then the second word, T-A-U-T-A, meta, tauta. And it just means after this, just how it's translated. Yeah, whatever just transpired in chapter one he was reading. That's done. After that. Something new. But now here, and so there are translators who make a big deal out of that, that this is the beginning of the tribulation period because after the church, and they would say, first couple of chapters are the church age. And remember, um, uh, as we studied the other side of these pages, there is a view that the Old Testament saints could not see the church at all. And so now Revelation says they would see those seven churches not only as historical, but, but in a dispensational pre- or futurist view, 
um, or premillennial view, either way you want to call that, they would say that those were not only historical, but they were also predictive of the church's progression through time. That, in other words, the early church would be like the first one there, and second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. And and many people that that hold to that would say that they that the seventh is what we're in or or is ending as we go. So in that way of thinking, because that's a predisposition to look at it that way. When you come to those words, after this I saw the church has ended. The church age has ended and we've gone into a new era of time or a new dispensation. Um, a, a historical premillennialist or pre-tribulationalist would say that part was done and after he saw that, he saw this. And here's, here's a hint to why someone would look at that. That phrase occurs ten times in the book of Revelation. So does every time mean, okay, that's all done and we're going to something new? Or does it just mean I saw this and then, then I saw that and then after this I saw that? Um, as you read through the book of Revelation, be looking for that phrase after this. And then you can kind of decide for yourself or run a concordance search. I did it sitting over there just a minute ago to make sure I had the numbers right. It occurs around 30 times in the Bible. I forgot the exact number. Ten times in Revelation. So about a third of the time it's like, only two other places in the New Testament does that term, uh, metatalta, appear, and I guess the other, what's left over, 18, occurred throughout the Old Testament, um, in a sense, because remember, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, it's translated into Greek, there's a Greek Old Testament known as the, uh, the LXX, uh, or the Septuagint, is that right? Um, and, and so, that's a Greek translation of the Old Testament. Long morning, not much rest in the afternoon. So remember, Sunday nights you get my brain that doesn't work as well and the tired me. So anyway, so, uh, so however that is, we are looking at something new. He's saying, okay, I saw that, now I saw this. You know, I heard these messages would be the more proper, appropriate thing. I got these messages, wrote them down, and after that I saw this. So let's look at what he saw or, or what happens. Um, I asked you in those questions to, to, to name all the characters in chapter 4. So basically these questions are going through the book and looking at it through different lenses each time, and then you put it all back together. How many different characters, or, and by that I meant types of characters, are in this chapter? Just having a general knowledge, what, what type of characters do we see in this chapter? Since you, I mean, y'all have a general knowledge of this book already, so tell me, tell me what kind of characters we see. We see elders there. What's that? Yeah, four living beings that, that are, uh, yeah, people try to figure out what those are, but what's that? Yeah, uh, cherubim, seraphim. We see um, humans. I mean, John's there, so we got at least one human. Um, we have, uh, and, and there, there may be more types of angels than, than we think about. Most, of us, most people just say there's only one kind of angel. There's a lot of different breeds, races, types of angels. Seraphim, cherubim are the two we know the best. Um, but we have 24 elders, and a lot of people uh, try to um, understand who those 24 elders would be. I think 
it might be common sense who they are. Uh, what would be a common sense answer to who the 24 elders are? Yeah, you know, twelve apostles. Yeah, yeah, should be there. Yeah, billions of disciples, but only twelve apostles. So we don't know. So, if that's true, very possible. I kind of tend to think that way. When we get there, we'll see who is God's choice for the guy that replaced Judas. So I think it's Paul, but you know, it could be Matthias. Um, but there's going to be twenty-four of those of those people or or beings. Um, well, you know what? Thank you for saying that. We, I, I'm, I'm glad you did. I was hoping somebody would forget. In, in chapters 4 and 5, that's the most important character there and the one we overlook. We're trying to figure out who are the 24 elders? What kind of angels are these? What is going on here? What's going on? The most important one is the one sitting on the throne because you're in the throne room of heaven. All right? So back up there in, in verse 1 again. Uh, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. What was the voice that he heard that sounded like a trumpet? Must take place. Yeah, the thing that must take place. What, what is the voice like a trumpet? That's in chapter 1. Uh, and anyone can answer that. Yeah, it's Jesus. Yeah, Jesus' voice sounds like a trumpet. So Jesus calls John... Um, to come and look at what's going on. And from, and so John comes to a heavenly perspective to get to see what is going to happen. And what it says here, um, I think the King James says, what, what must, well, it's very similar in the ESV. I will show you what must, must take place after this. So everything from now on is going to happen in the future. That's what Jesus is telling him. Um, and uh, I think you were quoting the King James a little bit there, which must soon take place. Um, again, I'll remind you, uh, since, and we, we, we use this as a kind of way of thinking. Um, not sure we should, but we do. Um, I use it, uh, even though I'm not sure I should. Um, if a thousand years is like a day, and day like a thousand years, you've been gone for a weekend. So it's not that long to him, two, two days. Um, so just, just don't get too caught up with, well, it's been 2,000 years, when's he coming? We don't know. Uh, he didn't want us to know because we might quit looking, but now we get to keep looking for him. All right, so um, anything else in verse 1 that you have a question about or you got, you're thinking about? And you're, you're right. Let me ask you this question about that. I, I believe that's a good way to look. Hey, Brother John. Um, you coming to join us? We got a. Um, this is a worksheet we're working from. I got plenty of them up here. I should have left them back there. Replace them. There you go. Um, he said, "Must take place." Why? How does God know they're going to take place? Well, that that's true. He did plan it. He's sovereign. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Well, yeah, I, I don't know if this is a preview or he transporting forward in time. And then we get in, this is called the woo space, the woo space, okay. My voice is gone, so I can't do the woo right, but, but yeah, it's woo already. I mean, there's a ton of stuff in verse one that if you want to go way into the woo space, I saw a door opened in heaven. Well, let's, I mean, we can stop and define down to syllables here almost. What is heaven? The Bible talks about three. I don't know what seventh heaven is. I've heard that phrase. I don't know what that is, but I know there's three. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it was. It was about a preacher and his seven kids. Yeah, it was. That was kind of a cute show, but anyway. Wasn't a preacher like me, but anyway. He was much better looking. Okay. Yeah, well, the heaven on earth is our atmosphere. That's the first heaven. What's the second heaven? That was a hint. Stars and space. If space is expanding, and actually the new telescope we just flung out there a year or two ago has proven space is not expanding. Um, they, they figured that out. It's, it's not. A lot of things they used to say, it, that thing's really challenged all of that. Um, but that would be the second heaven. So then what's the third heaven? Where God is. Well, if a door is standing open in heaven, where is that door? He didn't say which heaven. Well, it, it could be, but he could see it from earth before he went through it, right? So there's another word that is used in the woo people space, okay? People that like to dwell, live in the woo. You know, some people don't ever want to come to reality. Well, I, don't, I won't say that because, well, let me ask you this. Is the third heaven a reality? Of course, our angels are reality. We say that, but if an angel just suddenly was right here, would you believe it? You know, well, I, that was a delusion or, you know. Um, I, I personally believe I've seen an angel. He looked like a sailor off a ship. Didn't look any different than that. The circumstance around it made me believe he was an angel. Um, long story, you don't care, but anyway. Uh, that was many, many years ago. But, um, and I, w I wasn't afraid, but I did go, what was that? Um, so, so my point being, uh, the people living in the woo space would call that a portal. That there's, there's another dimension. Does heaven exist exactly like us? I've read in one book that heaven might be a planet God created somewhere in the vast expanses of the universe. And we don't travel at the speed of light. Uh, you know, according to Einstein's theory, uh, matter cannot travel at the speed of light. I don't believe or if it did, it would be, wouldn't be matter anymore, but we don't know what light is. Is it a wave? Is it, so I don't know. Andy, you, you tell me all the time, I think. Somebody's always telling me light is, yeah, it is woo. <laughs> By the way, if you could drive your car at the speed of light, if you turn on the headlines, what would happen? But anyway, um, would they cast out or would they stay there? Um, so, so we travel at the speed of thought. God can say, be there and you could be there. Right? There's a verse in the Bible I've never quite figured out. I know what I think, but again, it's not something I'll preach. Jesus walked to the disciples on the water and got in the boat one, one of those times. They saw him coming. They're all freaked out. 
he got in the boat, he goes, why, why were you worried about this? And it said, and the boat was at the place where it was going. Suddenly it was there. It doesn't, I'm, I'm sure it used the word suddenly, but it just, the way the Bible reads it, says it, it doesn't say, and then they got to the other side, it just said, and the boat was at the place where they were going. Now, it could have been a way of saying, and yeah, then they got there. Or did he get in the boat, and he goes, why, why were you worried about it? Watch this, and boop, they were there. He just walked, like they couldn't even see him, just walked away. So, so there's, there's a reality in the woo space, and we say we believe it, but when you start defining it, you go, wait a minute, hold on. You know, do we need the tenfold hat for you? Because that's kind of... So he sees a door open. Now, again, from John's perspective, when you got a wall, and suddenly there's a hole there, you call that a door, right? A way to get through it. So he could have been looking at the sky, and suddenly, there's a hole there, and Jesus going, hey, come here, John, I want to show you something. Supernatural. Yeah, very supernatural. But what? That's sign language for yes. Yes, he is. He said, I am the door. And you've heard me say it, but if you haven't, or you don't remember it, I'm going to say it again. What is a door? It is a functional hole in a wall. It allows you to get from this side to that side of a barrier. What did Stephen say when he stoned to death? Yeah, he saw that heaven's open and Jesus standing for him to come. So, yes, so Jesus is our door into heaven because sin is the barrier. And he said, I'm the door. He paid the price and he opens the way for us to go in to fellowship with the Father and to come back out. Um, back to the reality we're in. So he looks, he sees a door standing open, like it's not shutting on him, he doesn't have to hurry. Uh, it's there, he hears that voice like a trumpet saying, come up here and I'll show you what'll take place after this. So he's gonna show him either a movie or the actuality. Now roll way back to when we're talking about God being sovereign, okay? How do we know these things will happen? Omniscience is part of it because he knows what he's going to do. But, but when we think about who God is, it's going to happen that way because he has decreed it's going to happen that way. There's no getting out of it. It's not not going to happen. And, 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 and the reason I say that is we have a term, and, and I hate to bring up the term, but I can't say it without bringing it up. We talk about man's free will. If a man truly had a free will, God could say, um, I'm, uh, you're going to be in a car wreck tomorrow, and then I don't drive. Like, because I'm going to exercise, oh, if I'm in a car wreck, I'm not getting in a car all day. I'm going to stay home. And I've just thwarted the will of God. Is that possible? And these are theoretical things. This is what preachers sit around thinking about a lot. Okay, so uh, not really. When I was a teenager, my best friend and I, we were like, we, we were, you know, beginning to understand about um, how why evolution's wrong and all these kinds of things we're looking at our preachers preaching on. And we'd start talking about it. And then he would, he would say, stop, stop, I'm getting a headache. I can't, stop. we can't think about that anymore. So I kind of still feel that way, like even what I just said. Um, so can I thwart the will of God? Well, when you said it could be holy and blind, the 40s, 30s. So, well, let me ask you this. So, why was Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed? 
because he couldn't find 10, 10 righteous people. Now, what if he'd have said one? Because he'd had to get down to Lot. Lot's the only guy that would have had it going on. The girls weren't too great, and the, the boyfriends or husbands or whatever were worse. His wife wasn't much to talk about. <laughs> so he'd have said, if I can find... Hey, Lord, let me be specific. Can we get Lot out of there? And he, he honored Abraham's desire to, for Lot to, to be rescued. Um, but did she have a choice? Because we don't know. We don't know, did God decree she become a pillar of salt? He just said, if you, and by the way, it wasn't a glance over her shoulder. That would seem a little bit ludicrous anyway. It, the, the word there means to stop, turn, and look longingly to go back that you want to go to that. And so that was that desire to live in that sinful city that turned her into a pillar of salt, not just that she glanced over her shoulder, because it's going boom. Something goes boom behind me. I am going to duck, hunt for cover, but I do want to look back and see what, what just happened, you know. So it's not just a curiosity thing. It, it, it really it hit her. So th that's some thoughts that we have. Why do we know Revelation is going to happen? Because God's decreed it will happen. And the will of man will never thwart it. We cannot, we cannot fully understand as human beings. This is something I just want to say so you don't get real mad at me. Not for that reason, but this is true. You cannot rectify the sovereign will of God with, uh, with us being responsible for our choices. Because both are true at the same time, and it takes a creator, omnipotent God, to be able to work that out rightly. The, way, the best way I ever heard it described is above that ceiling, there are joints or rafters or whatever word is right that come together to meet to hold up the roof. But we can't see them. But we know it's up there. <laughs> and we know there's a God in heaven who's decreed all that call upon me, I will say. And so, to quote a famous preacher, then call. Call on him. His promise is if you do, you will be saved. So call. And people like sit around and argue whether, well, what if, you know, God didn't want me to be saved or he did want me to be saved? Well, do you want to call? Call. Because the promise is. So that's how I look at the Bible. People want to argue that point with me. And I just say, all I know is there's a sovereign God who created everything and has predicted the end from the beginning and he told me to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So my job is not to figure him out, it's to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Right? Not to figure him out totally. We, we obviously want to know God better. So anyway, having said that, we're, we're in, in Revelation 4. That first verse is really explosive. Um, and, and unless I get a question, I'm, I'm not going to say some other part of that. But anyway, um, so it goes on. And he says in, in verse 2, At once I was in the Spirit. Um, and, and here's the question for that phrase. Does that mean that his body was left behind and his spirit left his body and he went and spent time in heaven? Or does it mean that God transformed his body into this <coughs> temporarily into what we will all be one day, which is a physical body with a spiritual capability? We don't know. Which, yeah. It may be a loner body. Um, Randy Alcorn, his book on heaven, 
he brought up a subject about heaven and our bodies that I did not even ever think about. And that is, we know, all right, there's coming this day where I'm going to die of CTB. We know that. And my body will be cremated, buried, whatever's going to happen to it. Either way, it's going to oxygenate until it becomes dust and part of the ground. When Jesus comes back, he will raise that body and make it a body that can live in heaven. It'll be a body like his after the resurrection. He was not raised just spirit. He was raised spirit and body with a new body. The body that died on the cross is in heaven, but it's been changed. It's been altered so that being in a locked room, he could just all of a sudden be there. So did he walk through the wall? Did he just zip through the wall? Whatever. Physical barriers on earth are not barriers to spiritual things. Right, and our bodies will, will change. So Randy Alcorn posits, Paul said to be absent for the bodies, be present with the Lord. So I know that when my body CTBs, I'm going to, my spirit will be, that stands for cease to breathe. I will be in God's presence immediately. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Will I be ethereal spirit until Jesus comes back? Or does he give us a loner body in heaven? Now, Randy Alcorn came to the conclusion he may give us kind of a loner body because heaven is a real physical place to be, to be there. Yeah, it's going to be changed instantly. But do we have a body in heaven or not? And it's not a question that could be answered. I don't know why you even brought it up because to me it kind of clouds it. But and so why did I bring it up? Because it, it's kind of cool to think about. Like, you know, will we just be spirit there? Which is fine. If we are, that's fine. We still have a presence. You can see it. Obviously, people recognize each other in heaven. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, eventually everybody will have a body in heaven, but I'm talking about between now and Jesus coming back. On the Mount of Transfiguration that I talked about this morning, when Peter looked up, what did he say? Whoa, Moses, Elijah. How do you know what Moses and Elijah look like? <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> they had been to Sunday school that morning in a Baptist church and got a name, whoops, sorry, got a name tag, right. I like that answer, too. Yeah, we'll know it's Jesus because it looks like the picture in the Sunday School classroom. Yeah, there seems to be a knowledge that you have when you see that, that, you know, whether it's biblical information or the witch of Endor being another. Um, I, I, I truly believe that was Samuel coming out of the ground because she screamed. She was like, ah, what? You know, because she didn't expect that. And then she knew who Saul was, too, because if that's Sam, you're Saul. Now you're going to kill me because you told me not to do this. Don't worry about it. I asked you to do it. Don't let it, let it go. And Sam said, why are you bothering me, man? You know, that's a weird passage of Scripture. But God gave us that so we know we can recognize people that have gone before, even if we never met them, in some, for some reason, some way. Let me ask you this. Do we have to know who they are? By that, I mean, when I see them, is it required that I be able to recognize them? Why, but why not? I always want a reason. Why, why, does it, why is it necessary that we not necessarily have to know who they are? I know this is way off of Revelation, but I just thought I'd have some play in the pool right here for a minute. There's an example in the Bible. Right, but I'm saying... What if we saw someone 
that had died and gone on and, we are, and now they can't come back, do we have to recognize them? And is there an instance where someone didn't? When I say it, y'all are going to go, of course. Two guys walking on the road to Emmaus. Jesus walked with them the whole way, talked about who he was from the Old Testament, and they didn't know it was him. Until he, hey, sit down and eat with us. Sure, I'll say the blessing. He blessed it and broke it. They went, it's Jesus. Whoop, and he disappeared. He was just gone. Gone. So he had died. He was raised in a body. They didn't recognize him. So they have an ability to hide their identity too. I think Moses and Elijah was not trying to hide, so Peter knew him. But Jesus had an ability to hide who he was to those guys so he could go through that whole thing without them just freaking right out. And they're going, are you a stranger to these parts? Don't you, and you heard what happened? They killed Jesus. He did all these miracles and all, and now the disciples are saying he's risen from the dead and they've seen him. Really? Oh, you idiots. <laughs> he didn't say that. He said, you slow of heart to believe all the prophets have said, and then he told them. That is a cool passage. But so that's insights into what is, what is beyond us. We don't have to fear it. Yes, thank you. That was the second one. I missed that one. So there you go. Yeah, Mary didn't recognize him at first. And, and then he said, don't touch me. He said her name, Mary. And it's the Lord. And he said it in a way that opened her eyes. So these are interesting things to know because when we look at Revelation, we're going back and forth from heaven to earth a lot. And so we have to kind of keep in mind what, what, is, you know, what is really going on here. Um, so he goes up and he gets to start seeing. And what is the first thing he sees in verse 2? Yeah, who is sitting on it? Which part? Yeah, which person I should say, not part. They're not three parts of a whole. They're three persons in one. So yeah, the father sitting on that throne. I know that because I've read chapter 5 too, okay? Um, because um, uh, he's going to have something in his hand in chapter 5, and somebody's going to take it out of his hand. Um, so, um, so we have a description of God. Um, he sits there as the appearance of. It doesn't say he is made out of jewels. Notice carefully, and just what he says is what it is. It looked like these precious stones, and I don't, I, I don't know what they all are, um, of Jasper and Car Carmelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. Is that whole rainbow shades of green? Are all emeralds green? I don't know that either. Uh, if you're a gemologist, you can tell me. Or if you know about gems. But there's a rainbow. What is the shape of a rainbow? That's a trick question. Say, hey, you smarty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he is the light. Yeah, um, exactly. And yeah, it, it, you can talk to a pilot. If you're not standing on earth, you see a circle, not just a bow. All right, but on earth we see a bow. Um, it is a sign from God. It's a promise from God. I just heard some NFL player or somebody, I, I saw some interview, and he was saying um, rainbow is not what all these people are saying. Oh, he, he refused to do the Pride Month thing. 
And he said, that is a sign from God of the promise to his people, and I refuse to, you know, dishonor God. So um, I thought that was pretty cool of him. I don't even know who it was. I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, so there is a rainbow around him that has the appearance of an emerald. I don't know why John would say an emerald. Is it a green? Does God glow green? Or is emerald's not necessarily a shape, is it? Uh, it it's... So, but there is this light that surrounds him, and that's, that's the main, I guess, point of that. And then verse 4, and around his throne are 24 thrones, and seated on them are these 24 elders. So we are not told who they are or what they are. They could be angelic beings. They could be 24 elder angels. Because, like I said, God could have made a thousand different types of angels. So he might have made 24 angels. Um, Enoch and Daniel, uh, the book of Enoch, I don't know who wrote that, when nobody really does. Uh, but Daniel talks about angels that, he, that Daniel calls watchers and princes, the prince of Egypt, the prince, I mean the prince of Persia and who was the other prince that was going to come help fight Michael? Uh, Gabriel got slowed up by him and then Michael came rescued so he could talk to Daniel. He said, I got to go help him because... The prince of so somewhere else is coming to fight too. So we got a we got a battle going on. Here's the message. I got to go. Bye. And he goes back. So there are these angelic beings, and um, if you buy in that 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 parts of Enoch at least were right. Um, I don't know if you know in the apocrypha there's stories that are extra biblical. They're not in what we call the canon, um, but if they are to be believed, Esau killed Nimrod. I just found that out. It's like that's in one of the apocryphal books. Now, if you're Catholic, it's fine because you already got them. But we Baptists, we never knew this. So uh, I just found that out that Esau, because Nimrod was a mighty hunter, so is Esau. And he finally got advantage of Nimrod and killed him. And that's what he was coming from when Jacob uh, was making the red stew. And he said, Give me some stew because he was exhausted. He just killed this mighty person who was. Probably gigantic. So anyway, um, and by the way, they just found his bones in 2003 in Iran, Iraq. And they took him out and supposedly took him to Britain. And then all news of that stopped and we invaded Iran, Iraq. I mean, I keep saying that. We invaded Iraq. We've never heard anything more about it. You can look it up, Google it. Um, it was a big story and then it died because we went to war. Um, it, it's the bones of Gilgamesh, but we believe Nimrod and Gilgamesh, same person. Anyhow, just, just a woo thing. Um, so we, we have this appearance of God, and then he's got 24 owns with 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. So, I, I, again, I think they're humans, and, and I kind of tend to think uh, they're the ones that we said, the, disciple, the apostles and the, and the sons of Jacob. And then from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. Now let me ask you something. Does God have seven spirits? Because it says the seven spirits of God. This comes into, last week I told you, it's literal and there's metaphorical and, or symbolic in Revelation. So which is this? Are there seven separate spirits of God? Sure 
And, and that's, what, that's what I would think. What does seven usually indicate? And, and if you, I'm not into way into numerology, but this is, this is a, a truth. Uh, if you, in, th th this is always symbolically this. Six is always the symbol of man. Seven is God, yeah. Twelve is perfection. Seven is the number for God. And so, so that's just saying this is the complete spirit of God, okay? I would look at that, the number being not literal, but the, being the spirit of God is being very literal. It's a way to say, um, not this means a whole lot except what, what I was taught means a whole lot. Um, but it was in Greek class from a very smart guy. Any book he'd ever read, he could see it in his head and quote it and tell you what page it was on and where it was on the page. He'd look up in the air and go, that's on page 246, halfway down on the right side, and you're going like, okay, you're crazy. But, but when he said when you translate what we translate the Holy Spirit in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, in the Greek language, it is the Spirit I mean the Holy Spirit. It's, it's emphatic to make you stop and not just go, well, you know, the Holy Spirit. No, it's the Spirit. The, I mean the Holy Spirit. It's very definitive. So I think this is, in Revelation, a way of saying, this is the Spirit of God. This is not just all these other spirits I'm seeing. This is the Spirit of God, sevenfold Spirit of God, which says more about that later. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. Um, so water you can see through, I guess. I mean, is this literal glass, a sea of glass? But sea tends to say water, fluid, not hard. Y'all know glass is a liquid, right? That's why if you go to an old home, that, like homes built in the 1800s that have not totally been destroyed, and, or 1700s and the windows are distorted. It's because it was lead glass and it's just slowly been melting and sagging because it's just a very thick liquid. So you gotta see a glass. I don't know. <laughs> it's just there, it's before the throne. And around the throne, on the side of the throne, are these four living creatures. Um, the eyes and, uh, and, and if you draw these out and people have drawn uh, pictures of them uh, to try to, to, to draw what he's describing here, they really look weird um, because on, uh, they have eyes in front and behind. The first living creature it looks like a lion. Uh, sorry, sorry, it says full of eyes in front and behind. The first one is like a lion, the second like an ox, the third with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature is like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them have six wings. Where else do you see a six-winged being? And somewhere else in the Bible. Right, in Isaiah 6, right? And, uh, and what kind of angels do we call those? Those are the seraphim, right? So these are probably some type of seraphim. Why six wings? According to Isaiah, two to cover their face. Um, to show humility, two to cover their feet, to show service, and two to get around with, two to fly with. Um, so they got six wings. Um, sorry, I keep losing my place. And they are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. This is the exact same scene that Isaiah saw in Isaiah 6. Isaiah didn't describe the angels as thoroughly. He just said, I saw angels with six wings. Revelation tells us what they look like. They were created to fly around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they never stopped saying it. If, if, if tonight you see TV, the next thing you will see is a throne with these four angels flying around him, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Why did he say holy three times? Another just Hebrew thing is perfection, right? As righteous people, when we say something, it should be believed. Now, when you were a kid and somebody told you something like, okay, I'm not going to hit you, and you'd say, do you promise? Do you swear? You know, do have a log swear? <laughs> Cross my heart, stick a needle in my eye, whatever. So that's when you say it twice. So when Jesus was teaching, he said, no. He didn't say, truly, this is it. He said, truly, truly. I'm telling you, this is the real deal. I promise you, this is not a joke. When you say it three times, it's perfection in the Hebrew language. And only God is thrice holy. We're called to be holy. God is thrice holy. Okay? These angels never cease saying that this, this being that we are circling is the perfection of holiness. Now, what does holy mean? Because we tend to think like, oh, that means sinless and all of that. But holy actually has a different meaning. We, we, get holy, we get sinlessness out of it. But what does the word holy actually mean? In Greek, it's hagias. Yes, you're right, baby. She just mouthed the answer to me. If y'all want to look at her, she'll mouth it to you. See. What, what's that? What did you say? Yeah, what does the word holy mean, the original word? Hmm? Separate. Right, to be separate from, okay? So um, when I was a kid, I had three sets of clothes. I had church clothes, school clothes, and play clothes, right? Am I the only one? Okay, good. So my mom told me that I needed to wear clean clothes every day to school, she would not let us wear jeans. Um, by the time I was graduating high school, she softened enough I could get by with it. But we were not allowed to wear jeans. We had to wear nice clothes. I said, but mom, I'm gonna play on the playground. I'm gonna bust out my knees, so I don't care. You can get as dirty as you want, but you can start the day clean. But when I came home, especially if I hadn't busted out the knees, I had to take them off, fold them up, and or put them in the dirty clothes, and put on my play clothes, which had already had the knees busted out, right? And I could go do whatever I wanted in those, right? So my play clothes were holy. They were separated for play. My school clothes were holy. They were separated for school. My church clothes were extra holy. I had a lot of holy socks, too, by the way. But anyway, that was a joke. Uh, they, were, they were separated for this purpose. It means to set it aside for a specific purpose. God is thrice holy. There is nothing to compare him to. He's not in a group. He's not part of a thing. He's just God all by himself, as the black preacher said. But he said it like a black preacher, and I about went to heaven when he said it. 
because he's God all by himself. It's like, whoa, amen. That's the thrice holy God, and these angels are singing that constantly. If you get bored easily, don't go to heaven because you're going to hear that all the time. There. Probably, and I, and I realized I should have looked more into what people say about that, and I didn't. Uh, so I promise next week I'll have a better answer than I don't know. Yeah, if, if you've heard something, please share. I'm not the only teacher in here, by the way. Man. None of y'all's ever heard anything. Yeah, you don't have to believe it, but if you heard any other explanation. Yeah, me either. But yeah, I think they just are what they are. Um, some people have associated them with the four gospels, and uh, that that. I, I've just known too many people that go following that rabbit trail, and then they get really weird. Um, it could be because each gospel seems to have a certain emphasis, but that's, God did that, you know, he picked four guys to do that so that it would have those emphasis. Um, are these somehow symbolic of four different attributes of the holy God? Uh, they have some significance. Um, I, I, I'm going to get myself in trouble. So I, I, I'm always getting myself in trouble, but I'm going to get myself in trouble. I do not believe in astrology. I don't believe the stars dictate to us at all. But what I'm telling you is the ancient peoples studied the heavens. And God does say in his word, the, the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament shows his handiwork. They saw creatures in the formation of constellations. We understand that more scientifically today, what all that is. But they attributed meaning to those animals or those things. I don't know what is significant about these four. You know, a man, a, a ox, an eagle, and a lion. Um, you know, oxes work, lions are the king, eagles can fly, men are created in the image of God. You know, we, we can go a lot of ways with that. This may have something to do with their understanding of what those things might have meant. And so this is why the wise men knew that's the star we've been looking for. Because Daniel had told him when he was there, he was the chief astrologer in, in Babylon in his day. Because it wasn't a bad thing, then it was a scientific thing. Since then, it's diverged so that we have this, this plain old man-made scientific look at the universe. And we've lost that God wrote the story into nature. And it is there. It is in the heavens. I don't know it. I don't understand it. I'm just telling you there's a legitimate thing. But the stars don't dictate my destiny. It doesn't matter what, you know, people, back at, well, I grew up in the 70s, you know, hey, what's your sign, man? And I was always, I was born under the sign of the cross. I don't know about you. Or I would say St. Francis Hospital. That, that was my other answer. I was born under that sign. Um, you know, it, that doesn't matter. Uh, but, um, I, I've just heard recently somebody explain um, that what, it, what Daniel had said and what it would look like and the sign would be, and then they calculated it on a computer. When did, this, when did the stars line up exactly like that? And it was 3 um, B.C., I think. On September 11th, 3 B.C., by the way. 
um, which is kind of odd. But anyhow, so I don't know. And I will, I will try to do some more research on those and try to come up with some alternate ideas that people have had um, because I, I'm not that smart and honestly, I don't care too much. But um, then let me just look at the end and we'll go home. Um, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who's seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Now that draws a picture to me that I've never quite figured out. So they do a lap and they go, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. 24 elders fall off their chairs, throw their crowns at his feet, say all that. Do they pick the crowns back up, sit back down, they do another lap, and do it again? It seems to be this repeated pattern. So is it just Sunday in heaven and they do it for 24 hours? You, know, you, you understand where I'm going with that. It, it's, he says this is what happens every time they do it, and he, I guess he saw it being repeated over and over and over. Um, because later... Uh, some of these creatures break out of that and talk to John or say something or do something else. So, um, again, uh, interesting things that, that are there. For me, again, uh, the same guy that, uh, that same professor told me it's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he said, he's the one that said the most important thing in chapters 4 and 5 is who's on the throne. So we get all convoluted about what is the meaning of the third tone, the left foot of the beast, and we forget who's on the throne. And if you stay with who's on the throne, you're good. These other things are interesting. We all look at them. God gave them to us for a reason. Um, maybe so when we get to heaven, we go, oh, I know about you. You know, I, I read about you. Um, I don't know. But uh, I just don't want you to get way off in the weeds, uh, but rather stay focused on Christ because he is the point of that book. Um, I did write up um, some questions for chapter 5. And I'm going to pass these out differently. I'm just going to, oh, there's my good brother right there. I'm just going to, I'm just going to give groups out here, and y'all can, y'all can get them, and I'll take a few more off and go this way and a few that way. So there you go. Um, thank y'all for coming. I don't want to ever hold you up late. Um, so, you know, you don't have to go home, but you are free to leave. If you want to stay and ask me a question that I can look at you and go, I don't know, but I'll look it up. Feel free, okay? Um, I don't claim to be the smartest guy in the world about all this. Uh, it is interesting to me, to be sure. Um, and I am still in that learning process. What I said about perspective, let me add to that to say this. What I have noticed, because this isn't the first time I've tried to understand and explain it. Uh, they might be out there. If there's extra, let Dwayne know. I've only made 35 copies, I think, and uh, I didn't want to make too many, but I can make more. Anybody else need something there? Um, so take those home and let those be thought provokers. Um, read it for yourself. You can do internet searches all day long. Again, be careful about who's writing them. But what I was about to say is, every time I look at it, my understanding grows a little bit in something, or I go, oh, wait a minute, I never thought about it, but this could be a possibility. Because we don't have a definitive answer for what does Revelation, what every detail in Revelation means. Um, when we get to some of the other things, I will show you some ways of looking at them. 
that metatalta comes into that uh, after this I saw. Some people see that as an outline in Revelation. It has to happen. This is the first one, and the next nine are happening in sequential order. I don't look at it quite that way. I look at it more like I saw that, then I saw this, and what I saw here may have happened during that, or it may have happened before that, or maybe going to happen way later. And then he shows me shows John this, and that fits in a different way. So there is a, a different way to outline it, so it makes more sense because he could be jumping back and forth in time as well as up and down in heaven to earth. And uh, it's important to keep that in mind as you're trying to figure it out. So I'll show you that. I'll draw that on the board. I meant to bring, I've got dry erase markers. I'm always looking for them and I got them in my drawer. So I'll bring them next week myself. Yes. So it's a green rainbow. It's a circle. There's a green circle around God is what you're telling me. Okay, good. All right. According to the all-knowing Google. All right. Emeralds can only be green. So what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. Let's, uh, let, let's pray. God, in Jesus' name. Uh, Lord, we're looking at the things that you told us, and so obviously you want us to struggle with them. You want us to, to kind of see what's coming. I mean, you, you didn't waste your breath or John's breath and efforts to write all this just so we could be in questions. Um, you're warning us. You're letting us know something's coming. So we do ask for your understanding to help us to, to understand. Uh, Lord, we don't want to forget who's on the throne. That doesn't change ever. Um, that part we get. We know who you are. And we know uh, what that means to us. And so we are grateful. We're grateful for the salvation that you've given us. That we don't have to fear these end times. Though, though we may come under the attack of the enemy, we never come under the judgment of God. Um, that has already been dealt with on the cross. And so we who deserved it don't get it, and Jesus, you who did not deserve it, took it all for us. So we thank you, and we say that because we don't have any stronger words, but may our lives reflect the gratitude that we feel and know towards you because of what you did for us. Take us into this week uh, with uh, with the message of Christ on our heart and our lips. And may, uh, may we tell everybody who will listen about our wonderful Savior in Jesus' name. Amen.